Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's 20th highlight episode, I'm happy to talk to Jeff Robinson about his solo exhibition, which opened up at Heavy Brow Gallery. His show, Stacks, features a variety of works that border on 2D and 3D approaches. They include painted elements, found elements, and they combine in these different stacks and clusters that are very compressed and very interesting, fun to look at. We talk at great length about the work, so we hope that you enjoy the interview and check that out. And, of course, please check out Heavy Brow Gallery as well. You can like them on Facebook. You can Go and make an appointment or check out and swing by their regular Thursday hours from 1 to 4. Or you can check out the second opening reception, which will have music, and that will be the first weekend in July, so we'll be sure to share that. We also want to invite you, if you've never heard of Studio Break before, we are a podcast and blog site that features a variety of artist interviews and podcasts. They all have slideshows of their work as well as links to their websites, and we hope that you go check them out. And again, you can easily do that by using the archive feature located on the left sidebar of the Studio Break page. We do have a Facebook page, so we hope that you check it out and like us there. Again, we provide previews of some of the guests that we have coming up as well as exhibition announcements, opportunities, things like that. You can also follow us on Twitter at Studio Break, and you can also subscribe to Studio Break in the iTunes store and get our podcast each week that way. All right, let's move on to the interview. Here is Jeff and Stephen. Stay tuned. All right, welcome to Studio Break. I'm happy to be here at Heavy Brow Gallery with Stephen Linksveyer and Jeff Robinson, the artist that is opening tonight. Stacks, you've got all this work here, and do we want to maybe start with a little bit of a background with you, Jeff? Um, you know, where you're from, and sure. Uh, well, first, thanks for having me and Steve, thanks for having us. I have lived the entirety of my life in, in central Illinois. I uh, grew up in Springfield, I went to undergrad there at the University of Illinois Springfield, and uh, then came to Illinois State to get my MFA in painting. And then after receiving my master's degree a couple years back, I went back and I'm now teaching full-time at University of Illinois Springfield where I got my uh, BA degree. So it's, it seems I can't escape the central Illinois. Well, and just to kind of get a little bit of a background about the show then, was there a, a, some kind of connection or something, maybe like a place that you saw Jeff's work before, Steve? Uh, I saw one of the pieces in another show that he was having and had seen a couple of other pieces possibly um, on the internet or whatever and thought that it was interesting work and I would keep an eye on it and when I saw this particular piece I said um, you know we'll have a show at some point at Heavy Brown. I actually remember the exact words you said. The exact words you said were yeah we need to work together. Okay. (laughs) So there it is. And so, you know, the, there's maybe, what, like 10, 10 or so, 10 or so uh, sculptural kind of mixed media works that are in the show. Yeah. And how long have you been working in this series? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't know. I, I don't know to what extent I think of it as a series. I mean, clearly they're all related, but it's really just sort of me making one piece after the other. The majority of the work, all of it's been made... Uh, relatively within the last year, but the majority of it uh, has literally been made in about the last month, preparation for this show, especially uh, the more sculptural works. Well, it's all pretty sculptural, I guess, but the 
the freestanding sculptural works that aren't really bound to the wall. Uh, those are uh, really fresh out of the studio oven, I guess. It's, it's all been a sort of natural progression, uh, at least uh, since I've been making work that resembles this in any way. It's sort of been one step after the other. It was never sort of uh, me having this moment of like, ah, this is what it's going to be. It was sort of uh, this thing where it's, oh, well, I can do this. And then the next work, well, if I can do that, then I can do this. And then, you know, I'm just on and on and on and on and on. And, and that sort of led to what's here. And in terms of the materials that you use, some of them you can kind of recognize as you know, definitely found. Some of them look like they're you know, altered or changed in, in different ways. How do you, I guess, work through a piece to, to decide what you're going to do? Yeah, you know, so it, there was a certain point where uh, it, it became really sort of contrived to me to actually fabricate something. I have a, a representational painting background, and uh, at a certain point it was uh, it just, I just couldn't, as I said, it seemed really contrived to actually make a representation of something. Not that it is uh, for others, but it just felt that way for me. And so I just started sort of grabbing found materials that already had an identity and a history. And really, my work becomes about response in a lot of way, which is different from creation uh, in that creation has some logic that you're starting with these ingredients and making something wholly different out of them. Uh, and for me... The really what the things are, I, I start with, they're already formed, they already have an identity. It's, it's molding, carpet padding, uh, insulation foam, uh, you know, various things like that. And then it just becomes about, instead of creating that or a representation of that, it becomes having that and then responding to that. So a lot of the work sort of really develops piecemeal where it's I have this thing and how do I respond to that? Okay, well that's how I respond to that and now what? And so it just sort of develops in that way and sort of grows I guess somewhat organically in that way. Something that I find interesting is the sort of issue of compression, how all of the layers and elements of the materials are literally seem to be under some sort of pressure. And I liken that to like a core sample taken from a deep glacier and then they're sliced in those mini slices and each millimeter then is like an epoch of time or something expanded under the microscope or under examination and so Jeff has sort of done a similar feat by compressing these materials together each of them having their own as he says identity or point of origin and then the looking at the observing of the pieces then sort of that process in reverse each yeah. material can then or each slice can then be considered on its own as well I'm looking you know, right above you, Jeff, and there's a there's a piece that has a lot more uh, painted elements as opposed to maybe a lot more found elements. For me, it's about, I always say that one of the things I engage in uh, or engage with uh, with this work is, is trying to take these things that have really, uh, not always, but oftentimes really strong uh, histories, uh, you know, they have associations and, and connotations with them that they bring with them into a work, and to actually try to strip them of those things and to see how far can I get uh, to have them sort of participate in this purely formal right. language of, of shape, color, materiality, texture, all of those things. And, and I, always, I always preface that I think it really is an impossible task to actually do that. I mean, there's no way you don't, you know, you look at something, the second you recognize something's carpet padding, all of those other associations come with it. 
And uh, so it's really an impossible task, but to me at least that makes it all the more worthwhile exploring, right? Something that's impossible to, to strive towards that anyway. Uh, makes it a little more engaging and exciting, at least for me. Well, and I'm, I'm kind of curious, uh, Stephen, just do you pick a lot of shows that are very interesting in terms of taking ordinary things and kind of making them go beyond that? Is there something about the idea of the ordinary, and I guess this could be thrown out to both of you, is there something about taking something ordinary, putting it into a different context, something that makes it exciting for you to become engaged with something? Or I would imagine that is one of the functions of the gallery space versus the studio space versus a museum, you know, the different um, locations for viewing and the context and the politics in each of them. Here, I think that the experimental takes precedence or sort of the fugitive aspect of work can take precedence because of the architectural peculiarity of the space and so I'm looking for work that takes a certain risk and a certain liberty and I try to capture the artist or the art at a moment when they're doing that already in their studio and so to take that studio practice and give it the chance to you know possibly to go off the rails entirely here is what's interesting to me so it isn't a gallery space like a white cube commercial right. space, you know, polished and whatnot. It's not a museum space where it's, you know, the attendant sort of function of education. I have no educational mandate whatsoever. That's not my goal. It's a purely experiential. I would think that's how I would want the work to be perceived. So there's no... There's the mitigation of the works list and all of that is completely stripped away. It's the experimental nature of the work in the studio simply transplanted here in all of its, you know, raggedness and such. And Jeff, how did you live up to that, do you feel? Oh, man, you can't ask me that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's interesting, too, to hear, to hear you talk about it like that. I mean, I, I think that's something that makes this a really exciting place to, to have your work, you know? And I think yeah. something that, in a way, almost kind of feels like an extension of that space in the work, almost. Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, I've already I've told Steve many times that this is, I'm really excited about this show because this is one of the few chances that I'll have to have my work in a space that, as you said, isn't a white cube um, as a sort of, I don't know, what what turn you like to sort of uh, give to the space as a project space or an alternative gallery space. A janitor's closet. A janitor's of closet. Room. We'll go with jan of the, well, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to restate that, but uh, yeah. uh, anyway, it's, it's, it's wonderful, especially for my work, since the work for me, uh, on, when I'm making it in process, is about response, as I said. Exciting to be able to bring it into a space where it then has to respond to that space. Because so many times in a traditional, again, museum-style, white-cube gallery space, uh, the goal of those spaces, I think, is to remove anything but the work, right? And so you're only engaging with the work. And uh, in this space, to have to figure out how work responds to you know, uh, railing or various things that break up the cleanliness or, or the unified wall space. I'm, I'm failing with the word for that. 
it's not uninterrupted, right? It's interrupted wall space at times, and uh, that's what's really interesting to me. Uh, with this opportunity is to be able to, not to preconceive it, obviously that's sort of impossible, and I think would be a bit ridiculous to try to do to preconceive, at least for me, to preconceive the work for this space, but to ha make the work and then see how it responds after the fact to this space uh, is, is pretty exciting. So what is it, too, about the idea of altering some of these objects, because you know, from that formalistic kind of looking at it, what's the relationship between what you're adding to it and then, and then the stuff that's in there? This kind of goes back to the question uh, about the notion of ordinary uh, and something that goes beyond that or something that transcends that. And you know, there's something very sort of ordinary about this landscape, right? And sort of living in it and, li and living in this environment my entire life, uh, there wasn't something in my everyday environment that sort of gave me some means of inspiration or something to sort of be like, that's what I've got to make work about because that's something that I've lived in or, or lived with. And so it really became for me about just sort of saying, well, there are these things that sort of as a microcosm have that sort of same ordinariness. Did I make up that word? I don't know. Uh, to them. You said microcosm of ordinariness. <laughs> that's for sure. Right, right. Uh, but, uh, you know, it has... Uh, a similar relationship to at least my relationship to uh, Central Illinois, and I think in part as out of a, the way that these things get transformed, or sometimes not, but at least the way they get sort of interlaced with these more artificial uh, transformative elements is sort of out of a desire to want to be able to see something more uh, Im impressive, or more engaging, or more exciting, or surprising. Uh, out of those forms and to be able to sort of pull that from them uh, maybe as a way to try to deal with the environment that I live in. Each one of the materials, as ordinary as they are, is also, uh, if you want to talk about you know, transcending or something, or the idea of the materials added together, each one of the materials has that association and then represented in the context each one of them would then be a moment or like a molecule of transcendence or something or a chance to reflect on the origin of the material. They're sort of totemic in that way, I think. A lot of the work that I've been making for a while now has been sort of non-objective in the sense that I'm not trying to make the actual object itself represent something specific or maybe even refer to something specific, but I guess to the degree that I'm starting to do that more and more, it's, it's towards this notion of these totemic or votive or some sort of like transcendent object, right, that becomes a means to sort of disengage with the everyday and sort of move into this more spiritual thing. And that sort of is a nod to trying to sort of, uh, I guess, get at that experience of what these individual materials are and how they can sort of be transcendent in some way, those, those little moments that Steve's talking about and then the overall form that they sort of add up to becomes another reference uh, in a very different way to those sort of transcendent objects that we, uh, uh, that every culture has some manifestation of. I had the notion of the arrangement we had three on this wall that it was like an altarpiece arrangement right. for some reason, and I didn't necessarily bring it up then because it was just a sort of fleeting... Thing, but the one downstairs with the sort of pagoda thing on it, that's like the perfect height for somebody to drop change on it or light a candle or right. some sort of incense kind of thing. And the 
the ropes hanging off of it are sort of an obvious reference to liturgical garb right. to me. Right. For some reason, I think that the fact that you've chosen to lash odd pieces of things to the main body of the work, that that's the sort of offering part of it that I get. Like, it's done, but some other person has now come along and sort of like in the way of like a voodoo altar or, or whatever where, you know, here's my piece of graffiti to it, or here's the candle wax thing that I stuck onto the meanings or whatever that we're talking about that are gradually accruing to right. the thing that is the strange attractor or the primary, like the pole or whatever is like the literally a magnetic yeah. north or some kind of shit and <laughs> then all of these other different meanings are then getting attached to it. Right. That is really exciting primarily because I hadn't honestly thought about that aspect of it. it. Just specifically in terms of the notion about these other things that get attached outside of what would otherwise be seemingly the defined boundaries of the object uh, and how those can be in the notion of these uh, of this sort of transcendent, whatever votive, whatever uh, sort of sacred objects, uh, or at least the reference to that, again, not necessarily that these are, but just the reference to that, that that can then be interpreted in that way. Uh, it's something I never thought of, but really exciting and seemingly a natural response to that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, this is where I don't know if I want to just, you know, talk about the things that happen in my studio, but uh, really that initially sort of manifested out of this sort of desire to escape the defined boundaries of these sort of box forms that I worked from to be able to not have everything be so nicely and neatly contained, but to be able to sort of break from that. Uh, and have these sort of things growing off of or being sort of appended to. But, you know, it's, it's really exciting that they might be able to still uh, move beyond that very sort of technical or, or process-oriented need uh, to actually play in that dialogue. So we've been, we've been chatting and talking about the idea of references and abstraction and how that all relates to the work. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, for me, what... You know, and as I said earlier, I, I got my sort of artistic start or studies, whatever. Uh, those were sort of rooted initially in representation, and I was actually uh, very much on that far end of the spectrum of highly representational work. And uh, because of, at least for me, it, it, it was just so sort of contrived to have to conceive of these images. Uh, and it felt so much, just, I, I can't describe it, but there was just something that was so much more rewarding and engaging to actually just find these things and, and make something from them. My work really, in some ways, at least for me, is very self-critical of uh, various languages, really in painting. I mean, honestly, in painting, I still think of these things as paintings. I usually refer to them as paintings. They're also very much sculptures. Uh, it's, it's one of those things where you know, the work is sort of self-reflective, self-critical about these languages and art, you know, what is representation, what is abstraction, what is non-objectivity. Uh, and, and so to the extent that we've been talking about the possibility that these objects might reference something beyond themselves, these sort of sacred objects or, or whatever, I, I, like, I personally think of that not as a representation of those objects, as something that literally try aims to represent what the uh, what the thing is that it's referencing but is instead a looser reference which brings it more into the realm of abstraction this notion that something can still reference something but be far enough removed from it which gets back to that conversation of 
starting out with these materials but then transforming them in some, in some way and yet there's still a reference being made. Um, and so as much as my work and uh, like a lot of abstract or non-objective work uses that language to achieve some sort of uh, goal, some idea, some concept, some experience, uh, it also is very much engaged in a sort of philosophical dialogue of what are these languages and, and how do we define them and how can we possibly break down or, or, or blur those, those boundaries and those definitions. The mutant aspect then is the fact that they've sort of, each of these materials or the objects have got enough power or something that they've, you know, molded into some sort of three-dimensional reality or they're projecting forward, you know, off the wall enough to not quite be three-dimensional forms, but representations of three-dimensional forms almost, or what they might be if they were three-dimensional forms. But, you know, the compression and flatness that I was talking about earlier are still like a, uh, the dominant force or the strong force if you want to talk about, you know, some whack physics idea. And, and, and I think a lot of what you're talking about, when you talk about these things sort of, uh, I don't know if you use the word projected, but sort of having that quality but then being compressed, right, mm -hmm. that sort of tension. For me, that's really uh, another thing that this work is, uh, for me, something that I invest uh, into this work is sort of questioning for myself the, the difference between two-dimensional and three-dimensional languages, between, you know, again, having my background as a painter and then... Uh, because of this act, and I think at the time I wasn't really aware of what this act would bring with it, this notion of just grabbing something and just, because that's the way it started, I was still making paintings and all of a sudden I would just, it was really more collage in the beginning, just taking something that existed and pasting it down and responding to that, and the second I did that, it made it possible to, uh, you know, throw something on the, on the panel that had dimension, had a more three-dimensional relief quality to it, and then it just kept projecting out. And yet I was always aware of that and always trying to see how far can I project out and yet keep these things constrained back to the point that they participate in what really is uh, the language of painting, what really is two-dimensional and, and more it's about shape and color and, and how far can I push that. Uh, to the point that, I, at least in my mind, the second these things are freestanding and sitting on the floor and not attached to the wall, I still think of them as much... Uh, uh, as paintings as I do uh, sculptures of these three-dimensional objects. Is there anything you'd like to say to those that were too busy to make it to your opening? Suckers. <laughs> Suckers. Thanks again to Jeff and Stephen for talking about the show Stacks at Heavy Brow. Again, you can see that through the end of July, and there'll be a second opening in the first week of July with some music, so please be sure to check it out. Again, you can see all of Jeff's work by visiting his website, jeffrobinsonstudios.com. And of course, if you want to find out anything about Heavy Brow, please like their Facebook page and send them a note. If you want to find out more about me, your host, and where my opinions come from and what I do as an artist, please check out davidlinaway.com. And you can always use the hyperlink on the Studio Break page on the left sidebar to also navigate there. If you're on Facebook, you can like our page. Or if you're on Twitter, you can also follow us at Studio Break on Twitter. Again, we love hearing from folks and interacting with folks. So if you've got interesting articles that you want to share or you just want to say hello, tweet, or anything like that, please be sure to do it there. 
Once again, you can subscribe to the Studio Break podcast in the iTunes store. Just search for Studio Break under podcasts and subscribe there so that you get all of the podcasts that we've had. And again, we've had over 80 or so, so there's a lot to check out if you've missed any. As always, if you like these interviews or like some of the artists that we have on, we hope that you share it with your friends and let them know about Studio Break. It's a great way to find out about artists and a pastime while you're working in the studio or on a really long commute to a job that is not all that interesting. So we hope that you enjoyed today's podcast, and we'll talk to you real soon.